G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Christians know things the world does not know because they believe what God says in His Word. Believers are in a privileged position. Pastor Greg Laurie points out that we can bring people hope with what we know. We know that God is good and man is bad. We know that things are going to get worse before they get better. But we also know that Jesus Christ is coming back again and good will ultimately prevail. We know that we win in the end. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. As we go through life, either we leave our influence on the world or the world leaves its influence on us. How's it been going for you? Thankfully, we can make a change. And that's what Pastor Greg's current series is all about. It's called World Changes. Glad you've joined us for a new beginning today as we consider how to walk in such a way that people are touched and changed from knowing us. We'll learn how to be the kind of person who automatically points people to God. Have you ever been in a really dark place and notice what happens when a light goes on like a movie theater? Doesn't it drive you crazy when you're in a theater and it's a crucial scene on the film and someone pulls their phone out to check Instagram or whatever? Man, a little light goes a long way. We're gonna look at a time historically now where the world was very dark. In fact, it's the darkest the world has ever been, yet not as dark as it still will be. And in the midst of this very dark backdrop shined a very bright light, a true world changer. Now we've already looked at two world changers, uh, Abel and Enoch. And now we're gonna look at the world changer who lived at the end of the world. I'm talking about Noah. Now, when I say the end of the world, I mean the time before the flood. In effect, Noah was a last days believer, living in his last days before God judged the earth and brought the flood upon it. So here's the thing. God comes to Noah and in so many words says, I want you to build a really big boat uh, because it's gonna rain really hard. Understand it had never rained before up to this point. So Noah builds a big ark. And imagine this. I mean, Noah didn't have the sophisticated tools and resources that they would use to build this ark, he and his family did this. Hebrews 11.7 says, By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, he prepared an ark to the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Okay, so let's try to identify some principles as to why Noah was a world changer. If you're taking notes, here's principle number one. God revealed secrets 
to Noah. God revealed secrets to Noah. Look at verse seven of Hebrews 11 again. It says, Noah was divinely warned. So the Lord spoke to his servant. He told him what was coming down. He told him what was about to happen. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Hey, has God spoken to you lately? How does God speak, you ask? Well, first of all, he speaks primarily through his word, right? When you open up the word of God, you will hear the voice of God. Sometimes God will speak through a preacher. Sometimes God will speak through a friend. Often God speaks through your wife, rarely through the husband. No, I'm joking. He speaks through both. Sometimes God will speak through circumstances. Sometimes God will speak in the stillness of your heart. God rarely speaks audibly, so don't be listening for voices. But He does speak often. Maybe the Lord has sort of nudged you. I find a lot of times when God is speaking, it's not so much words, it's a nudge in a certain direction. Maybe it's a person that I, I, I'm sort of nudged toward, like, go talk to that person. I never know what I'm gonna say, just start talking, and then things come, and, and you realize the Lord wants you to minister to that person. Maybe it's a step of faith. God sort of led you to maybe leave your comfort zone and do something you wouldn't normally do, like start a Bible study at work. He's a few Christian people. Let's get together at lunchtime, have a Bible study. Or maybe he's led you to go share your faith, or he's led you to do something else. God has spoken to you. Here's my question. Did you listen? God spoke to Noah, and he listened. And God revealed secrets to Noah. Here's something we need to consider. Christians know things the world does not know. Christians know things the world does not know. The simplest Christian, and by that I mean the youngest Christian, or even a young person who happens to be a Christian, knows more than many of the great intellectuals of the world because they believe what God says in His Word. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty five, thank you, Father, for hiding the truth from those who think they're so wise and clever and for revealing it to the childlike. Even the most basic Christian knows more than many of the educated people of the world. For instance, we know that God is good and man is bad. See, a lot of times people say, no, man is good and God is bad. No, it's the opposite. God is good and man is bad. If you think man is basically good, it's a hard day for you when you realize the horrific tragedy that took place on 9-11 when we were attacked by Islamic terrorists and all those people lost their lives. It was a, a day of wickedness, a day where evil was on display. It was also a day of heroism where people risked their lives. Many gave their lives. I, went to the spot there of the World Trade Center two days after the attack. We had people on the ground there. We had chaplains there. And our church that we planted in New York many years ago had folks all around the city uh, ministering because New York, if you've ever been to New York, these are people on the move. They basically don't talk to each other when they pass one another in the street. They're always going somewhere. Whole city was traumatized. People were reaching out. They were hurting. So we would set up little tables with a sign, need spiritual help. And I'm telling you, New Yorkers would stop. They would talk. They would seek spiritual counsel. It was a fantastic time, ministry-wise, despite the horrible tragedy that took place. But I remember arriving at the scene, and it, and it was so hard to describe, just smoke 
smoldering from the debris and there would be walls just lined with images of people and, and there was a phone number missing looking for this person. And so we provided food for the first responders. Uh, we set up a restaurant there and gave them all free food. And then I was asked to speak at Brooklyn Tabernacle. And so I went and they invited a bunch of the firefighters that had actually worked at the World Trade Center rescuing people and, and trying to help. And uh, they said they'd give them all a free meal. So a bunch of these guys showed up at church and these guys were like just so impressive, I have to say. They're in, still in their, their uniforms and in their work gear. They have dust and dirt all over them and, and they're sitting there in the front row and they were, you know, I was preaching. I'm thinking, wow, I don't know what these guys are gonna do. And at the invitation, 25 of them walked forward and stood there and prayed and asked God to forgive their sins and asked Christ to come into their life. But it's an amazing moment. But we know things the world doesn't know. For instance, we know that things are gonna get worse before they get better. But we also know that Jesus Christ is coming back again and good will ultimately prevail. We know that we win in the end. God revealed his secrets to Noah. God revealed his secrets to you too. Thanks for joining us. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie. He's the Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. And he's helping us to learn from the example of Noah today as he continues his World Changes series. Number two, Noah had great reverence for God. He had great reverence for God. Verse seven says, he moved with godly fear. You know, sometimes we hear the word fear and we don't know what it means. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So when we talk about fearing God, does that mean that we're afraid He's gonna smack us? Well, really what it means is we have reverence for Him. One definition I sort of like about God's fear or fearing God is a wholesome dread of displeasing Him. It's not so much a fear of retribution, it's a dread of displeasing Him. I don't want to dishonor Him. I don't want to disappoint Him. And Noah moved with this reverence and fear. You know, sometimes I think in the church, people are way too casual with God. You know, they, they have this relationship with God and they've forgotten the holiness of God. And you know, and they're like, hey man, Jesus is my homeboy. Okay, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Guess what, buddy, your homeboy created the universe, so have a little respect. This is God Almighty we're talking about. Jesus in the Lord's Prayer taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. A reverence be your name. Holy is your name. Uh, years ago I, I became friends with Dr. Alan Redpath. And uh, he's a wonderful British gentleman. He's now in heaven. But he's written some fantastic books. If you ever see a Alan Redpath book, you ought to pick it up. We admired him so much, we named our son Jonathan after him, Jonathan Allen Laurie. And so uh, we were able to bring Dr. Redpath out uh, to speak and he spoke here at our church and, and he spoke in some other churches and I spent a lot of time with him and I was always sort of in awe of him and I called him Dr. Redpath. And he would say to me, oh Greg, don't call me Dr. Redpath, call me Alan. And I'd say, okay, Dr. Redpath, let me ask you this. I just, I just didn't want to call him Alan, you know. He's Dr. Redpath. And, you know, and it was, I never did call him Alan. And, and, but he also had a great sense of humor. So when I was around him, I was always on my best behavior. Uh, but, uh, so, uh, but I would goof off when he wasn't around, my normal obnoxious self. And um, 
I was doing this thing at that time. I thought it was funny. I don't know why in retrospect. But I would take a bite of food. And then I would take my fork and throw it over my shoulder and say, what? It's disposable, right? People would look at me and like, you know, you're eating, you throw a fork. Don't do this, by the way. Because um, I'm a professional. <laughs> Idiot. So don't imitate me. But so I'd throw the fork over my shoulder. It's disposable, right? You know, whatever. So I would never do that with Dr. Redpath around. We're sitting one night in a British restaurant. We're, you know, we're all dressed in suits and ties. It was a nice restaurant. And we're sitting there and I'm not goofing off. I'm not throwing the fork around. You know, I, I'm, I have my best manners there. And, and all of a sudden something hits my chest. Boom, kind of hard. I looked down, it was a fork. <laughs> and I looked up and Dr. Alan Redpath had thrown the fork at me. And it hit me in the chest kind of hard. Boom. And then he said, I thought it was disposable. <laughs> what, he's a comedian now? Alan, listen to me. No. But you know, I, I never lost that respect for him. And we should never lose our reverence for God. Hey, how bad were things when God spoke to Noah? As bad as they possibly could be, as bad as it has ever been, but as I said, not as bad as it still will be. And that's why Noah was a last day's believer. But here's what he shows us. He shows us you can live a godly life in an ungodly world. You think things are bad where you are right now? You have no idea how bad it was where Noah was. How bad was it? Now go to Genesis 6. Let's read about it. Starting in verse 5. It was so bad that God saw the wickedness of man that was great on the earth. God saw that every intent of the thoughts of man's heart was only evil continually and the Lord was sorry he made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry I made them. Why was God sorry he made mankind? Because verse five says, God saw the wickedness of men was great and every intent of his thought and his heart was only evil continually. It was only evil, not occasionally evil, only evil. There weren't even occasional good thoughts that crept in. It was just evil layered upon evil, layered upon evil. In fact, the phrase that is used here could be translated that wickedness had reached a high degree or the highest pitch. Years ago we were in New York City and they were having a, a strike. All the trash men went on strike and weren't picking up trash. There was trash everywhere. Trash piled on top of trash. And of course soon the vermin was there and the rats were there. And it was just a mess and it didn't smell good, I'll tell you that. And that's sort of like what planet Earth was like morally and spiritually. It just stunk to high heaven. And God actually says, you know what? I'm sorry I even made mankind. But here's a very interesting word you don't want to miss. We read that God was grieved that he had made mankind. Verse 6, grieved. Listen, you only grieve for those you love. In other words, if a stranger insults you, he's like, idiot, whatever. You don't grieve over it and you're just ticked off by it. But when someone you love insults you, when a family member disappoints you, or when someone you care about does something bad, you grieve. Because you grieve when you love someone. So God says, this makes me so angry and I'm grieving because I love these people, but they've pushed the envelope so 
far. And now God says, I'm gonna bring judgment on the earth. And sometimes we hear that and we say, well, that doesn't make sense. Why would a loving God bring judgment? Because God is not only loving, He's also just. And as Abraham said rightly in Genesis 18, 25, shall not the judge of the earth do right? Listen, if man can flagrantly and continually break God's laws and murder and destroy and pervert everything that is right, is it good for God to turn away and do nothing? Actually, it makes no sense. God is good, God is loving, God is righteous, God is just. Let's say that uh, your little toddler was playing in the backyard and all of a sudden a wolf jumped over your fence and was coming toward your child, teeth showing. What would you do? I would like love the wolf. No. <laughs> kill the wolf. Why? Because you love the child so you kill the wolf. So in many ways this is like evil. God's going to deal with it appropriately and judgment is going to come. Oh, by the way, the Lord takes no joy in bringing judgment. In fact, God says in Ezekiel 33, 11, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked but that the wicked would turn from his way and live and turn from their evil ways. Why should you die, O house of Israel? God's saying, I don't want to do this to you, but if you don't repent, it's going to happen, and in effect, you're bringing it upon yourself. I'm a just God, and I keep my word. When I say I'll do something, I'm going to do it. But I love you, and I don't want to do it, but I'm just, and I keep my word, so I will do it. And of course, judgment was about to come. But here's this man, Noah, living in a godly life in an ungodly place, shining as a bright light in the darkest circumstances imaginable, bringing us to point number three. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Genesis 6, 8 says that. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Does this mean that God had grace on Noah because he lived a righteous life? No, the very opposite. Noah lived a righteous life because God had grace on him. <laughs> what is grace? It's been defined as God's unmerited favor. Because he found grace or grace found him, Noah lived a righteous life. Listen to this. God does not love us for what we have done or haven't done. Nor does God love us for what we are or are not. God loves us and extends grace toward us because he chooses to. Just because he loves you, and so he extended his grace to Noah. Noah responded appropriately to that grace and was a world changer. Pastor Greg Laurie with some insights on Noah today from his new series called World Changes. Now tomorrow he'll continue as he brings more encouragement as we learn from the man who saved his family by following God's instructions. Same time tomorrow. Hope you can join us for a new beginning. Now for a copy of today's full message, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called The World Changer at the End of the World. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.